Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Tough Questions series, and I'm your host, Travis. Uh, joining me today is going to be Brent, Jacob, and Matthew. And so uh, I'll give them a chance to chime in here in just a minute. We're going to be dealing with two things today, uh, our family life and our finances. So it's about to get real. As one preacher said, we're about to be all up in your kitchen, friends. So let's get in that kitchen. Let's talk about it here. Let's, let's tee up the first one here and talk about uh, how are we doing with uh, our family life. You know, as a, as a church revitalizer, there is a lot of things that can pull you away from family time. How do you guard family time? How do you keep family time? And what does family time look like? Yeah, I think I, obviously it's pretty important. I think it was I think it was Jonathan Edwards that talked about the family is the first church. Mm. And so knowing that, uh, you know, as, uh, as husbands, um, as wives that may be listening to us as well, that, you know, first and foremost, you know, what we, we, our role is to help disciple and train up our children of the Lord. And at the same time, you know, we're to cultivate our marriage and our relationship with the Lord personally. And so knowing that you have all those factors before you are a church leader first is absolutely vital and important to realize. <coughs> and I think it's first, it begins with understanding the, the weight of that call, knowing that we're responsible in our home uh, for, for making sure that, uh, you know, personally we have a, a vital relationship with the Lord, but at the same time in our marriage and in our, in our parenting, we're, we're trying to exemplify Christ as much as possible. All right, good. Um, why don't we have a quick discussion here about the importance of family Devo, since you brought up the fact that, um, you know, it's the first church. What, what does family Devo look like? Because I know several of us have, you know, small children, minor in elementary school, got one getting right ahead in the middle school. But uh, how do we do how do we do family devotions? Because if it's like my house, you feel like I don't even think they're listening <laughs> as we do them together. But what's that look like? Yeah, I think um, you know I'm I'm going to lean on a resource here uh, um, that we can put in the show notes. Uh, Donald Winnie has a book just called Family Worship. Just a very simple book. There you go plug at Donald Whitney. I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, it's just a simple book, and he really gets at this idea that once that that consistency is key. Yeah. And so even when children are young, making sure that you are just consistent, even if it's just reading a paragraph of scripture, and so you know, for us personally, it's it's reading some scripture, praying. You know, so a lot of times Liz and I are asking the kids who's somebody that we could be praying for. Here's somebody at the church. Let's pray for them, or somebody in the family. So we'll pray for them as a family. And then sometimes we'll sing a song. Um, and it, it may be something as simple as Jesus Loves Me. It may be a song that, uh, you know, our kids, um, you know, in the car, they like listening to the, uh, the Getty uh, um, Kids Christmas or the kids songs. And so a lot of times we may sing those as well. And so that's just kind of the pattern for us. It's very simple. It's laid back. Uh, it's not stressful. Now our kids are a little bit younger. As they get older, it may develop more. But the reality is it's just reading, praying, and, and singing. Yeah. 
doesn't have to be anything <coughs> over the top fancy. Yeah, right? we're I, not, and, and like we're I said, not teaching them systematic theology. Yeah, and, and I'm not. Or are we? Yeah. Well, I've got a two year old and a two week old, so we definitely yeah. do systematic theology. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone is getting a, like getting a sermon manuscript or devotional ready. I think it's just reading scripture, and I think even just just pointing out like a thing or you know something in the text that I think that point that God is pointing out to you, and maybe taking just a minute to just talk about that and what that looks like. So. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, agree with everything that uh, that Jacob said there. Sort of just branching off of that a little bit. Um, something that we've, again, I, as I mentioned, we've, we've got, you know, a, a two-year-old and a newborn, but something that we've just started doing with our uh, with our son, who is two, um, is is teaching him to pray. And that's been, that's been really cool, you know, to, if, if nothing else, just to see him literally imitate us in in our prayers and so i think that's an important part if you have children that are young um to um, help them uh, help them learn to pray during that time of devotion um the the other one is is a resource and this isn't one that we've really started using a lot with dawson because he's not quite to that age yet um i feel like he's getting pretty close though but it's a book called theology so it's theology but divided up into two words um we'll play on words there um and I, I couldn't remember couldn't remember who you're had, a punny guy. Yes, that's right. I'm very punny. Um, I couldn't remember who had written it, but I, I just pulled it up here, and we can put a link to this as well. But it's Marty Mikowski, Um and it is, you know, I have I have sort of read through that, looked through that, and it's just a really we joked about systematic <laughs> theology. It's not systematic theology, but it's uh, it's just it's a really good book to to start teaching children some of the basic doctrines of, of Scripture. So it would be something good to walk through. As a while we're, while we're on the topic of uh, book plugging, as another good seminary guy to plug here uh, from Southern, uh, Big Truths for Young Hearts. That was the one I was exactly... Great Minds Think Alike. Yeah. I was, that was the first book that came to mind. Yeah, so that's a great resource. So, Well, I was going to also say, you know, for, for younger children, you have books like... Um, Jesus Storybook Bible. We love that book mm-hmm. and walking through our children with it. And, and I think part of it is, is, you know, I think it's good to have that, that time as for family worship. But I think also, I think we all agree that um, using every instance of life mm-hmm. to, to display Christ. And so one of the things that uh, is just trying to be intentional when you can. So for instance, on the way to school, so we, our, our son uh, is our oldest and he's in school. And so Every day I drop him off at school, and so every morning we're always taking time to pray. And so I'll ask him, hey, do you want to pray for anything today? Some days he, he doesn't want to pray for anything. Some days he may say, pray that uh, you know I pay attention well in school or something like that. And so we'll take time to, to pray on the way to school. And so I think just using any, any instance, I think, to display Christ is important. I agree. Um, anything else you want to add to the discussion now that family time Got to be sure that you're guarding uh, vacation time. You know, I know people try to make this debate of quality time and quantity time. Why not? You know, I think both are important. Quantity yeah. time is important. Quality time is important. You know, everybody wants your attention and focus in a church, and you have really got to be intentional about guarding spaces and time for your children. And we haven't said much about this, but time with our wives, right? What's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh. No, you have to be. And my wife is more diligent in letting me know when those times are than I do. Um, because it, the fall is a busy season for me with youth ministry, with doing doing football devotions. I've, uh, 
try to make sure I'm out there at the field twice a week so they don't just see me on the day I do devotions like, oh, here comes the preacher guy again. Um, so, so with like, for, for an example, last week I knew that it was time for me to spend some family time. And so I took off last Thursday and took my girls and my wife down to Hendersonville to Apple Valley. And we uh, looked at apples and we fed goats. We picked out pumpkins and we had a fun, fun just afternoon um, doing tourist tourist stuff together as a family and then um, my sister actually lives in Hendersonville so I knew that I had been an awful husband and not taking my wife out on a date without kids um, in a long time and so I dropped my, my girls off at my sister's and took my wife out for a night on the town That's nice. um, because you know in ministry I think we just don't think about it a lot well, like we're so busy Going to this event, going to that event, going to the hospital, this, going, 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 ministry related, is that a lot of times our family is neglected. Well, and, and let's be honest, like, you know, I don't know how it is at your churches, but when, when, on a typical Sunday at Grace, a lot of times I've got meetings before church, so I drive separate. And when we, when we used to come to church together, as soon as we hit the door, everybody goes a different direction. Mm-hmm. So even when you're at church, you're not really together at church yeah. in the sense of you're just under one roof, but you're not really even necessarily in the same room for a lot of it. So, you know, um, and then when you're preaching, you know, it's, it's hard to call down your kids, but stranger things have been done if you need to there. Well, I think we, we've talked about this time with family time and, and definitely having time for, for our wives. I think one of the things we need to talk about as well is making sure that we have people who are gatekeepers, mm-hmm. so to say. So one of the things I think that's been helpful for me is there are several men in our church that have told me, hey, you're working too hard and you need to, like, you've been in the office too many times. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to have Friday off or something and or you're supposed to have this day off, but yet you're always doing this or doing that. Like, you need to, you need to take that time off. And so I think having friends or gatekeepers, whatever, you know, deacons, other staff, or just, you know, leaders uh, in, in your church that are helpful that can just tell you, hey, you need, you need seasons of rest. You need to spend more time with your children. You need to spend more time with your family. Because if, if they can see that, then they know that, that they can see the disconnect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, and this is so crucial. Uh, I have a very close friend that was on staff in a church in Texas. I won't even say the city because if I said the name of the church, you would know what it is. But uh, he told, he shared with me the guy that had pastored there for a long time. They were having a really transparent moment. He looked at him. He said, "I don't even know my kids, and you don't want that to happen, right?" And you, you know, remember what we said? You want the kids to love the church and love Christ. And one of our little hosts back there is reminding us of the importance of loving kids and loving family. So, uh, so that, I think I think there's you know you talk about this pastor not even knowing his children. And I imagine you, you know, your kids are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we're always trying to do is, you know, with our, our children is involve them yeah. in, the, in the ministry, so to say, or involve them in church life. And so, I mean, things down to, you know, simple things. Like I, I can think of people that I've had to visit and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll leave. And, and Liz was oftentimes, and the kids will say, well, let's just take a time, just take a moment just to pray for that person as daddy goes to visit them because they're not feeling well. And so she'll she'll talk through that stuff with them. They'll take time to pray, or you know, just simple things like that. Right. You know, involving them in, in some of the fun things of ministry as well. Um, you know, I, I think anytime you can involve your family or your wife in that, for me, it's a joy, right? So, for instance, you know, there's just a lot of things like that that like my wife she wants to be a part of, 
because it's a joy for her and honestly it's helpful for me and holds me holds me more accountable to pursue the Lord more and, and do those things well and the same thing I think with the kids so yeah yeah, we want to be sure we do that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and shift gears for time's sake. Uh, we need to talk about uh, are you being biblical, handling your finances biblically? Uh, I know that uh, you know Nam apparently thinks that we at least need new socks, right? Because we got those our guy. Well, we haven't got them in Tennessee, just the North Carolina pastors. That's right. But uh, let's talk about uh, the importance of personal finances. Um, you know, we can't be asking church members to give you know, a tithe if we personally aren't giving a tithe. And uh, let's just, let's kind of frame how we do this, what a budget is, and the importance of trying our best to stick to that. Well, it definitely starts with tithe. Mm-hmm. I, I have known pastors who do not tithe. Yeah. Um, and, I just, I don't understand that. And I, I have seen churches that uh, in job descriptions were, that, you know, posted online were, one of the one of the parts of the job description or the expectation is the pastors to tithe exactly this percentage because they've obviously had issues with pastors who pastors who did I was on not. staff at a church that they checked they didn't check for a tithe but they checked to see if everybody on the staff was giving and if you weren't giving on staff they had to fire one person hmm. because they were on staff at a church and they were not giving one dime to the church yeah and here's what he said when they confronted him about it he said I thought it was being taken out of my paycheck before I got it. Yeah, it's like, come on, dude, really? Well, and I think I think, you know, and I don't want to cut Brent off, but I think, but tithing, you know, as a pastor, I mean, one, one I think I think there's a biblical precedent there, yeah. obviously, but but I, but I think it also shows that hey, I'm, we're on board. You know, yeah. We we love this church. We we're, we want to see God using this church in the kingdom and and for His glory, and so we're trusting God with the first fruits of of what he's provided for us and we're going to give those first fruits your your money is naturally going to go to what you believe in and as a pastor if your money's not going to the church um to some extent then um it definitely brings into question whether you even believe in what you're doing or not so i mean you you feel like it should go without being said that you need to tithe, but I don't think it does. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think it does need to be said because there's there's definitely people who don't. So um, certainly, certainly tithe, but you know, stewardship for a pastor is is about more than just tithing. It's about uh, managing your finances that go towards your mortgage, or car payments, or groceries, or whatever else. Well, because um, you're an example. You know, you're you're an example for the congregation. I mean, you can. I know people have varying views on debt and things of that nature. And I mean, it's not something that we necessarily need to get into. But uh, but you just got to be you got to be responsible. And like we've said with several of these other topics that we've covered on a personal level for the pastor, you've got to be consistent. Just on a really practical level, um, my wife and I have a monthly budget that uh, we set up, and it's on a Google sheet. And so we share it with one another keep track of everything that you know um, we're spending we can pull it up on our phones our laptops our tablets whatever the case may be and just sort of check in keep each other accountable things of that nature because you know I've been in situations before where a husband and wife are married and even share the same bank account but they don't really realize how much money one another's spending or what that money's going towards all the time um, and that's not good stewardship either so yeah. 
Um, yeah, so outlining a budget, it should include in addition to a um, outline for stewardship, uh, there should be a savings line. Yep. I mean, I feel like this is common sense stuff we're going over here, but you know, if you're tithing about 10%, you know, what the aim should be, you should be aiming close to that for your savings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's difficult. A lot of churches can't pay or won't pay, you know, depending on the situation. But um, you, you need if you can't do the whole 10%, then you need to be doing that. And I know our retirement is different, but, you know, we need to be thinking of no matter what age you are uh, about retirement and what you should be putting back for that. I know some some estimate as high as fifteen percent of your yearly income. Now, there's no way I can do that while raising a family, but some percentage back for taking care of yourself and your wife in the future. Um, oh, to that to that point on retirement, um, Godstone. If you're if you're a pastor, you definitely need to look into Godstone mm-hmm. because their four hundred one k. Yeah, their annuities is. Uh, I mean, four hundred three b. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is it's really good i mean they match they match quite a bit i forget how much it is yeah. per month but there's there's resources out there just for pastors oh, yeah. when it comes to retirement um so you know well, at and, I, and i think we talk about finances i think you know one of the conversations is, is simply about being a good steward right right and you know we read in the parable about about jesus as he's giving the talents to the different individuals and you know, you see the, the, the third man who does not steward that well, the Lord takes it and gives it to someone else. Mm-hmm. I think the, the reality is, is if, if you're not stewarding well, whether that is time, finances, the, the Lord's not going to to bless you with more, right? You're, if you're not being faithful with what he has given you and being obedient to that, he's not, I mean, why is he going to overflow and bless you? And, and that's not prosperity talk. I think that's just obedience and faithfulness. Oh, because I, I just I just think you know yeah you know for instance it's a principle it's a principle for, for instance Brent talked about paying your bills right if, if, if you're a pastor and you're not paying your bills I mean well, one that's not just really it's not a good display of Christ or the gospel um, I mean I, I can remember a time where we were looking to hire a staff member and uh, one of the individuals when we were talking with him and and doing some uh, resume and checking names of people who knew him, that was one of the things that came out. He regularly didn't pay his electric bill uh, because a guy that I knew worked at the electric company and told me he knew that guy's name and everything else, and, and it, that, that was an issue for us. Um, and found out that he also didn't steward, you know, didn't, uh, uh, didn't tithe at a previous church, and so that we felt that was an issue because if, if, if you can't manage those things, Right? How can how can you be able to manage and, and use other things that the Lord has given you? Really, this is a biblical qualification yeah. for the office. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, the Bible tells us that you must run your household well. Yeah. And we're not talking being millionaire, but I think no. just being faithful and obedient. Because right. whatever, you know, and here's a question. If we were to take your roughly your budget and then apply it to your church, how would your church fare? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. what can, you know, granted, ministries may look different than groceries or different mm-hmm. things like that, but... You know, can you know? Is there going to be a tithe? Is there going to be a savings? And that's probably a whole other podcast. Should a church have a savings account? But we won't get into that right now. Uh, but you should for sure, right? You <laughs> as a pastor should for sure to handle catastrophes. 
I know uh, Dave Ramsey has had a few questionable things theologically, but overall, financial peace has been a helpful mm -hmm. tool that he's created. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with him, I wouldn't recommend that. It's an important piece that I go over when I'm doing premarital counseling. I actually make mm -hmm. them go ahead and make a budget. And pastor, if you're listening to this, you've never done that. You've never just set out and write out your obligations and what you make. You need to do that so this yep. is over. So, yep. uh, any other points on biblical giving and and meeting that qualification well? Well, I think with all these things, whether it's our family, whether it's you know finances and biblical giving and 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 how we handle finances, the reality is there are tons of resources out there. That's right. Yeah. And so this this is not like I I can't figure this out. I don't want to do. That. I think the first step is just saying okay. How can I do this well? And there are tons of resources out there that I think pastors could look towards or church leaders could look towards and helping them in those, those, those areas. Couldn't agree more. Uh, so, yeah, so we want to make sure that uh, taking a look, your, uh, wherever your uh, heart is, your, your treasure will be there. My mom worked at a bank for years. She said people's true colors come out whenever it deals with their money, and the same thing is true for pastors. So, pastor, take a good hard look at your checkbook there and see what is going on or your credit card statement there hopefully you only have one for emergencies and you're not you know burning it up like the average household with eight thousand dollars in credit card debt here's a here's a question would you hire someone with an with an eight thousand dollar credit card debt on staff at your church in a pastoral position yeah i mean we do you know we'll do a background we do background checks and things like that but we also do credit checks yeah. and we'll ask we'll ask conversations you know, when I when I came to the church I met, they asked conversations about our debt, and you know, all of our debt is paying off student loans mm. and just paying them off monthly, being responsible with it. But, but, you know, they were they they wanted to know, do you have do you have lots of credit card debt? We don't have any credit card debt, you know. And so I think I think it becomes an issue of once again, how are you handling your finances? Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps this episode up. Uh, thank you all, and join us again for next time on. Uh, tough question series. We're going to be talking about loving the flock and pastor tenure. Are you willing to stay? So tune in next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.